Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're back in the book of 2 Samuel. Um, we're, begin- we're going to be looking at chapters 17 and 18 today. And we can think of this, chapter 17, as David's on the run again. Um, he's being chased by his own son. And David's sin, his unresolved sin, has come back to, to almost haunt him. Um, David is on the run from Absalom just like he was on the run from Saul earlier. Absalom killed Ammon, David's other son, just like David had killed Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. And Absalom had committed adultery on David's own roof just like David did. We have sins of coveting, and we made the point yesterday that you can covet so many things. You could covet power, or popularity, or pride, or praise do somebody else, but David had coveted Bathsheba, and all that came with that, and now we've got David's own family caught up in coveting as his own son covets David's own throne. The adultery that David committed, the murder that David committed, has now come back to haunt him. And um, we find David a broken-hearted king at this point. He's not looking, though, in contrast to Saul. He's not looking for the popularity. What he's really looking for now is forgiveness. And ironically, it was the forgiveness that he could not give to Absalom. So what we have are things that just tear families apart. Unresolved sin, unresolved forgiveness, and poor spiritual leadership. So these are things that families need to grow from and learn from this story here of David. On the run, a dysfunctional family being played out in the nation Israel. 
And it shows how important each family is. Whether it's our families today or King David's family back then. The sin that can be in families. Lack of forgiveness that can be in families. And lack of spiritual leadership that can exist in families, can tear them apart. So, with that in mind, chapter 17, verses 1, we jump in. Um, we, now, we've got a couple of things to set the table here. You've got David on one side and Absalom on the other side. And on David's side, you've got um, Hushai and Abibashai. Now, they're loyal to David, but David tells Hushai to go over to Absalom's side and maybe give him some counsel. On Absalom's side, you got Ahithophel, and then Hushai's over there now with, um, with Absalom. So, you've got um, Ahithophel said to Absalom, let me choose... 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. In other words, David's on the run. Ahithophel is one of the commanders who betrays David. And he says, let me go out and kill him. I'll, verse 2, I'll come upon him while he's weary and discouraged and throw him in a panic, and all the people who are with him will flee, and I will strike down only the king. And I will bring all the people back to you as a bride comes to her husband. You seek the life of only one man, and all the people will be at peace. And the advice seemed right in the eyes of Absalom and all the leaders of Israel. Sounds like a good plan. This guy's going to go out and do the job quickly. We've got to leave tonight because David's on the run. He's vulnerable. Then, verse 5, Absalom called, said, Call Hushai, the archite. Also, and let us hear what he's got to say. And when Hushai came to Absalom, Hushai said to him, Thus has Ahithophel spoken, shall we do as he says? If not, you speak. Then Hushai said to Absalom, This time the counsel of Ahithophel has given is not good. In other words, Hushai disagrees. Hushai says, basically, you know that your father and his men are mighty and they're enraged like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. Besides, your father is an expert in war. He will not spend the night with the people. Behold, even now he's hidden himself in one of the pits or in some other place. And as soon as some of the people fall at the first attack, whoever hears it will say, there's been a slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. And then even the valiant men whose heart is like the heart of a lion will utterly melt with fear. For all Israel knows that your father's a mighty man. And that who's, those who are with him are valiant men. But my counsel is that... So what he's saying is, is if, we, if you follow this other fellow's plan, if you follow a hit fellow's plan... Everybody knows David's skillful, and he's not going to be there where people can find him. 
he's going to be hiding in a pit. And whenever a few people die on our side, they're going to spread a rumor that um, a bit, there's been a slaughter. And everybody's, even though these people are saying they're going to fight, they're going to get scared and they're going to run. Verse 11, but my counsel, so Ahithophel is saying, okay, this, I mean, Hushai is saying, my counsel is that all Israel be gathered to you. In other words, don't just take a few men like Ahithophel wants to do. Get the whole nation with you. From Dan to Beersheba, as the sand by the sea, for multitude, and that you go into battle in person. In other words, don't send Hittifel for you. You go leading the whole nation. So we shall come upon him in some place where he is to be found, and we shall light upon him as the dew falls on the ground. And of him and all the men with him, not one will be left. And if he withdraws to a city, basically he's saying, we'll, we'll all go get him together. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai the Archite is better. So they choose his counsel. Now his counsel is going to give David some, some breathing room to escape. And that's what's going to happen. So down to verse 22, then David arose and all the people who were with him, they crossed the Jordan by daybreak, not one of them was left who had not crossed the Jordan. In other words, once Hushai <clears throat> sends word to David, he knows he's got time to escape. So he can tell his men, let's move out. They're vulnerable, but they're escaping. And they cross over the Jordan. They're in a more, much more safe place by daybreak. Verse 23, And when Ahithophel saw his counsel was not followed, he knows now he's in trouble. He's betrayed David. And now David <clears throat> has been given an opportunity to escape. He may think that something's up with Hushai. It could be a plant. But Ahithophel is a commander. He knows he's been outmaneuvered now. And he knows that it's only a matter of time because David will ultimately... You know, he's a crafty guy, and he can he can win. And when he does, he's going to come for Ahithophel's head, probably. So what does he do? Ahithophel goes home to his own city. He, he He's done. He set his house in order and hanged himself. And he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. He just wants to have a an honorable discharge, so to speak. And so, last at the end of this chapter, we come to the we come to um, David getting some supplies in the wilderness. The people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. And you've got um, when David comes to this town, Mahan a man, Mahanaim. This guy named Shobi and Micah bring and. Brazilla bring him supplies, and he gets sustained there. Now, we come to chapter 18, and so David now, he is getting his troops ready to go to battle. David mustered the men who 
were with him and set them over commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. And David, so in other words, it's talking about commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. So David's organizing his troops as any good military commander will do. He's getting the hierarchy. He's organizing. And you've got three main commanders for David. Joab, Abishai, Abishai and um, Ittai. Okay, so you've got David's three commanders. And the king said to the men... I myself will also go out with you. Verse 3, But the men said, You shall not go out, for if we flee, they will not care about us. If half of us die, they will not care about us. But if but you are worth 10,000 of us. Therefore, it is better that you send us help from the city. The king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I will do. So <clears throat> David's sort of half in this and half out of this. He's not the king he used to be to lead his troops in battle. So the king stood at the side of the gate while all the army marched out by the hundreds and the thousands, and the king ordered Joab, Abedishai, and Ittai, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave orders to all the commanders about Absalom. So he says, you know, don't hurt my boy. So the army goes out. Verse 9, And Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. In other words, it's truly God's providence. But there you go. <clears throat> and Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak, and his head caught fast in the oak. And he was suspended between heaven and earth. And the mule that was under him went on. <clears throat> he got his head stuck in a tree branch. Now my study Bible says, we heard earlier in earlier chapters that he had this great head of hair. And he used to cut it once a year. But it was tremendous hair. And he was a very attractive person. But the source of his pride became the cause of his downfall. He's probably got his hair caught in these thick, tangled branches. And he was hanging there by his hair. Could have been what happened. But look at God's irony. The source of his pride becomes his downfall. So... <clears throat> Joab said to the man who told him about this, you know, how come you didn't strike him to the ground? And the, the servant said, even if I felt in my hand the weight of a thousand pieces of silver, I would not reach out my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king commanded you and Abedishai and Atiah, for my sake protect the young man Absalom. On the other hand, if I had dealt treacherously with this, his life, then you yourself would have stood aloof. So in other words, I didn't want to get you in trouble or me. Then Joab said, I will not waste time like this with you. And he took three javelins in his hand and thrust them into the heart of Absalom while he was still alive in the oak. And ten young men 
Joab's armor bearers surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. So in other words, they put him to death. Unceremoniously, hanging there with his hair stuck in a tree. They weren't even going to pretend to bring him back. So, Joab blows the trumpet. Everybody knows that the battle is over. They took Absalom, threw him into a great pit in the forest, and raised over him a great heap of stones. Built him a monument there. So then, after the battle, Amahaz wants to run and carry the good wants to carry the news and Joab says you're not going to don't worry you're not going to carry the news today because the king's son is dead there's no news about this battle but then the Cushite there's this Cushite fellow there they say go tell him everything you've seen so he's going to let the Cushite deliver the news but Amahaz says let me run too so he allows him to run and Amahaz ends up outrunning the Cushite so David is now back, meanwhile, sitting by the gates. They see the runners coming. The first runner is Amahaz, the guy that outruns. But he says, all is well. And uh, the king says, uh, how about everything with Absalom? And Amahaz says, you know, I saw a great commotion, but I don't know what it was about. This is down in verse 29. But then the Cushite comes in verse 31 and says, Good news, my Lord, the king, for the Lord has delivered you this day from the hand of all who rose up against you. And the king says, What about Absalom? And basically he tells him he's dead. He goes, May the enemies of my Lord the king and all who rise up against you for evil be like that young man. In other words, dead. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he wept, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. He knows that Absalom's heart was ultimately his responsibility to take care of. Did he do a good job as a father? Did he do a good enough job to address unresolved sin, unresolved forgiveness, poor spiritual leadership, the sins of pride. They have come back on his son's head. A tragedy in all regards. And... Um, just bitter grief at this point. So we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. And as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you here next time uh, as we continue our study through the book of Second Samuel. Now, just as a note, as always, as we're going into the weekend, um, we'll be taking a break. So that we'll really be getting back with Second Samuel next week on Monday. And as we will be finishing up Second um, Samuel um, at that point in time. So 
We'll see you here next time, and we'll turn the rest of the podcast over now to our co-host, Zamia Matali. Matalia, look forward to hearing what you've got to say today, and as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean.